Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We're glad to see uh, our visitors tonight, guests. Good to see Brother Johnson, Brother Perkins, Brother O'Hearn, others that I may not know yet, but we're glad for all of you that are here. But we are especially glad beyond um, what the Lord is going to do tonight and for his presence to also be able to have Brother Mackey with us tonight. Great man of God. Praise God. And I'll tell you one of the things I like about Brother Mackey. No airs. Doesn't put on airs. Not flashy. Practical. Got his feet on the ground. And he always brings the word. Always brings the word. And the word will keep us. The word will keep us. So let's make Brother Mackey feel welcome. Get behind the preaching of the word. We appreciate your ministry. And praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah, I think they should... Shoot that groundhog, you know? <laughs> Whatever. All right. But uh, spring is coming. So, But uh, I was in a church in January in Michigan. Uh, I was raised in Duluth, Minnesota. And, I, and we had, like, I've had five services canceled already this year because of weather in Michigan. And so I was at one church, and I, and I realized I got to be careful what I say in the pulpit because I was saying I was born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota and I said this is tennis weather where I come from and I and and, and then I, and I said I said in Duluth I said they use black tennis balls so they can see it in the snow and these people were taking me serious <laughs> so and finally I just say folks I'm only kidding you know but anyway but 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 what a joy to be in abundant life and uh be with good friends, brother and sister Kylie, and and uh, man, my first time to preach for brother Kylie was in 1981, and uh, you know, 33 years I've been coming here, and I guess he's been pastoring here for 35 years, and and you folks are really blessed to have a pastor that has just come here and stayed and did the work of God, you know, and. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it's really valuable. And I remember years ago preaching for, for Brother Fred Kinsey, and, and he said, you know, churches that really maintain strength are churches that maintain, you know, just, you know, just good faithful leadership in their pulpit and consistency. It's, it, it, it is, it's difficult when churches go through too many pastoral changes. It really is. So it's, it's, so I appreciate the faithfulness of brother and sister Kylie. I was preaching for them when sister Mac and I moved into our first home. Uh, my first eight years as an evangelist, we, we, we did not have a home. We did not pull a travel trailer. We did not uh, have an apartment anywhere. We just kind of put our furniture in a warehouse and started out by faith. I, I mean, I, I started evangelizing with one meeting scheduled. And, and when I think, and, and we thought nothing of it, but now when I think back of it, on it, 
that for eight years, Sister Mackie, my daughter, we did not even have our own home. We just stayed in either with my folks, her folks, or in a hotel someplace. It was really unfair to them, you know, but I remember making $45 a week back then, too, when I started evangelizing, which wasn't really too good, but it's too bad Obama wasn't president. He would have looked after me, you know. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, excuse me, I... I don't know what's wrong with me tonight, but <laughs> oh. but anyway, but but we did move into uh, our first home in in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The house was uh, over a hundred years old, with eleven hundred square feet, and and uh, brother brother Kai was just a home missionary, and we came and preached for them, and they gave us a housewarming gift. They gave us a Weber grill. And I'm still using that Weber grill, you know? I still am, you know? The reason it's lasted so long is because I'm never home to use it that often. But when I am home, that's the one I use. But anyway, but, and there's so many faithful people in this church that's been faithful through the years. And, and, and one of these days, God's going to, you know, just let all the angels know, too, you know, what you've done for him. All right, let's open up our Bible, shall we, to the first epistle of John? The first epistle of John, chapter 2, and verse 6. Again, if the Bible says that I believe it, 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth in him, on himself, also so to walk, even as he walked. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Another translation says it this way, whoever says says that he knows God and is a Christian, ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself the same way Jesus walked and conducted himself. So let's pray, shall we? Again, Jesus, thank you for your people, for your presence, for your word, for your spirit, and what you desire to speak to our hearts. God, help me to minister your word. Help us to receive it, God, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you may be seated. About three years ago when I was here, I preached on part one on this verse of scripture. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how the Lord has summarized everything to me in, in one verse of Scripture. If you really know God, if you're really a Christian, you're going to walk and conduct yourself the same way Jesus walked and conducted himself. It's that, it it is that simple. An old-timey preacher said, you know, in this modern age we're living, we have too many, you know, sermonettes by preacherettes for Christianettes, you know. But we are not Christians because we come to a church service on a Sunday morning or clap our hands or put money in an offering plate. We are Christians when we are like Jesus Christ. You know, I'm a firm believer that you don't need a bumper sticker on your car or a gold cross hanging around your neck 
to let people know you're a Christian. When you're really a Christian, you really don't have to say a word. It's kind of like a man saying, I'm the head of this house. If you have to say it and remind them, I don't know if you're really the head or not, you know. I remember preaching a revival Wednesday through Sunday. Three times in five days, the pastor stood in the pulpit and said, I'm the pastor of this church. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe they don't know that, you know. But when you're really a Christian, your conduct speaks it louder than any bumper sticker or any gold cross hanging around your neck. Now, the reason this church you're in tonight emphasizes so strongly repentance, baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, receiving the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues is because the Lord asked a very important question in the Old Testament in the book of Amos when he said, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? What, how, what brings humanity into agreement with deity? Deity became humanity. When that little baby was born in Bethlehem, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. I heard a, I heard a, a Baptist radio preacher say, uh, you know, on his broadcast at Christmas, I wish I had said it first, but I'll give him the credit. He said that little baby was deity in diapers. I loved it, folks. I mean, it was God manifested in flesh. So how can humanity be in agreement with deity? God provided a way. Deity became humanity. And in the flesh there was a death and there was a burial and there was a resurrection. And the reason we emphasize repentance is because that's our death. Jesus Christ died. We die to sin ungodliness. Jesus Christ was buried. We are buried with him by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if the same spirit dwell in you, there raised Jesus from the dead. Folks, the Holy Ghost is resurrection power. I'm not in this pulpit tonight to take away from anyone's religious background, but God is still asking the question, how can two walk together except there be in agreement? Jesus Christ died, I've died through repentance. Jesus Christ was buried, I've been buried by water baptism. Jesus Christ rose again, and I have resurrection power in me. It's the death, it's the burial, and it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Now, when you repent and are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, that's not the climax of your experience with God. That's not the high point. You have just now been born again. Now it says, if you really are a Christian, you're going to walk and conduct yourself the same way Jesus walked and conducted himself. Let's look at the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 21 in our Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 21, it says, for even hereunto were ye called. So he calls us to repentance, he calls us to water baptism, he calls us to be born of spirit. And then it says, and even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. 
Now, Christianity, living for God, is not a meandering. You know, well, just walk this way, and I just feel like walking this way, and I'll just meander. No, folks, when you're really a Christian, Jesus Christ has left us an example that we should follow his steps. And you can look at the word of God and find footprints of Jesus that tells you how to walk. Now, again, being raised in, in Duluth, Minnesota, we had one of those blizzards. And, uh, and I remember the wind chill was about, I don't know, almost 50 degrees below zero. And I was just a little boy, and when this, the way the wind blew, it put a snow drift of, in front of our front door, as high as, you know, as the rain gutters. We could not get out the front door. So my dad opened up the dining room window, crawled out through the dining room window to go get a shovel, and shovel away this big snow drift. I mean, I'm about five years old. And I said, I want to help you shovel the snow, Dad. I mean, Mom, you, I mean, remember how it was? Mom puts on your boots and your leggings and you can barely walk as a little kid. And you know, folks, there's a snow drift higher than the front door. And do you know what? My dad pulled me out the window. And do you know what? Everywhere my father stepped, I stepped. Everywhere he walked, I walked. And I did not get lost in that blizzard. I'm here tonight, Right? And you know what? You can read the word of God and find footprints. Amen. Because Jesus Christ is our example. Do you understand? The Lord's not going to ask you to do anything that he has not already done himself. He is the first partaker of the fruit. I will never forget reading an interesting article where a pastor was concerned because people were always parking right in front of the front door of the church. So he had his custodian get a professionally made sign put right there. It said, no parking here for any reason. And it worked. People stopped parking right in front of the front door of the church. But about three weeks after that, the pastor came up to the church and he was in a hurry. So he parked right in front of that sign. Guess he was just going to run into his office, check the mail or something, but he got tied up with the church secretary and he was there for a long time. And when he comes out, the custodian is standing by his car. And the, the pastor says, how are you doing, Mr. Custodian? He said, well, I'm doing fine, Pastor, but I must admit I am upset. And the pastor said, why? And the custodian said, because you parked here. You know? And the pastor admitted, he said, well, I just kind of felt, you know, irritated. And I was going to say, well, I'm the pastor here. And the pastor said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you were the one concerned because people were parking here. And you had me make the sign. And now you park here. And the pastor said, you're right. And I apologize to you. And I will not park here again. And when he got behind the steering wheel of his car, he felt the Lord speak to him and said, that's right. Pastors are not the exception. Pastors are the example. And do you know what? The God we are worshiping tonight, Jesus is not the exception. Jesus is the example. And that's why it says he has left us an example that we should follow his steps. Let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 13 in our Bibles. 
Luke chapter 13 and verse 31. Luke chapter 13 and verse 31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. Jesus said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. They said, Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to die. Jesus said, nevertheless, what I'm facing, I must walk today and I must walk tomorrow and I must walk the day following. Now, for you that have been saved a while, I've said it here before, you soon discover that you still get flat tires and mosquito bites after you get the Holy Ghost. You're not always jumping over three pews at one time, speaking in tongues, you know. But do you understand, if you've been walking with God, you understand there's setbacks, there's trials, there's disappointments, sometimes there's failures. Folks, sometimes people do the wrong thing to you. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to make it to heaven, you've got to have the same attitude that Jesus has right here in this verse of scripture. I don't care what happens, what doesn't happen, how people treat me, how people don't treat me. I must walk with God today. I must walk with God tomorrow. And I must walk with God the day following. And I'm going to see you in heaven someday. So we're going to just look at a few little footprints of God in the word tonight. All right? Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 84. In our Bibles to Psalm 84. In verse 11, Psalm 84 and verse 11. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk, how? Uprightly. Now, the word uprightly means entirely, completely, without blemish, with everything you've got. David said, I follow hard after the Lord. Years ago, they used to sing the song, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. I follow hard after the Lord. No good thing will, will, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, the world has a slogan, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. You know, you've been working at the company for 18 years and there's going to be a promotion and you're supposed to get that promotion? but they give it to the wife's niece's second cousin's nephew, all right? And you say, boy, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But that is true with the child of God. Folks, there are benefits and blessings that are in our life. And you know what? It's not what we know, but it's who we know. And no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, I was doing a minister's conference out in the state of Pennsylvania a few years ago. And uh, uh, I'm going to be 70 my next birthday, but this was about five years ago, so I was about 65 years old. And so I was the night speaker of this conference, 
for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And they had an afternoon Bible teacher for Thursday and Friday. But after the service Friday night, they opened up the gymnasium because this church had a nice school and a nice gymnasium, a full gym. So they put the, so they put the, the basketball court in half, you know, and, 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 and they were playing volleyball on one side and they played basketball on the other side. So I was 65 and, and the afternoon Bible teacher must have been maybe in his late 50s. And so, so you know, this church had, um, there was about 300 people that attended this church. So there were all these college guys and said, Brother Mackey, do you play basketball? And I said, yeah. I said, I actually, I enjoy playing basketball. It's been a while though. Well, they said, do you want to play? And I said, yeah, let's do it, you know. So these four college guys said, so, so the afternoon Bible teacher and I were on the team with these two other young men. Okay, so we played four on four, half court. All right, and we played to 15, all right, by ones, and you got to win by two, all right, for all you ladies, all right. But anyway, so, folks, I mean, these kids, these college guys were in their young, early 20s. And you know what? It was unbelievable. I, I was, everything I threw up there went in the basket, okay? I mean, really. And so we beat them 15 to 10, so those college guys says, well, let's play again. So I said, okay. Only at this time, I'm telling you, they didn't care I was a preacher. I mean, this guy guarding me was guarding me. So I could not touch my ribs the next day. I mean, he was body checking me, giving me elbow. I said, are you a Christian or what? You know, I mean, really, I didn't say that though. But really, and by that time, the young people gathered around and they started calling me MJ, all right? Which is short for Michael Jordan, Okay. Not, not Michael Jackson now, Michael Jordan. All right. All right. They were calling me MJ. And we beat them 15 to 9. So they said, let's play again. So I said, okay. So we started playing again. And we were ahead 12 to 8 and they quit. Okay. Right. And so every time I go there, they still call me MJ. Okay. But, but the point is, they were playing so hard. Their faces are red. They were sweating. And I thought, boy, I wish people would seek God this hard. I wish they would pray this hard. I mean, it was life and death to them, and I'm just out there having fun. But listen, everybody, listen, I, no good thing does he withhold from people that walk uprightly. And you know what? All things work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. So I don't know. I don't know what opportunities you're going to have in 2014 to be discouraged, become, you know, lackluster in your desire for God, you know, just to, to become lackadaisical. But listen, you, you need to say, I'm going to walk uprightly with God today. I'm going to walk uprightly with God tomorrow. And I'm going to walk uprightly with God the day following with everything I've got. Now let's look at the book of Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. The book of Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8 in our Bibles. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, he has, shown, he, he has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Humbly with thy God. The word humbly means modestly, unassuming, not proud, you walk softly with God. Now, God gave Israel 10 commandments 
Before they finished the Mosaic law, they had, they had ordinances, more than 500 ordinances and things that they had to follow. So I think in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, God said, hey, everybody, you're really making it too hard. What does God really require? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Walk humbly with God. I mean, folks, when you walk humbly, you're not proud. When you walk humbly, there's no rebellion. When you walk humbly with God. Now, there's a story in the Bible where the Pharisee came to the church to pray, came to the temple. And do you know who else was coming to the temple to pray? A publican, a sinner. Do you know what the attitude of the Pharisee was? Ha! What's the world coming to? There's a sinner coming to church. So do you know what the Pharisee did? He stands over here, puts his thumbs in his lapel, sticks his nose higher in the air, and prays a little bit louder. Oh, Lord, I thank you I'm not like other men, like this sinner over here. I pay my tithe and hold the envelope up real high so everybody can see it. And Lord, I mean, when I fast, everyone knows it because I just have such a sad face. And Lord, I'm just so holy, I can't even hardly stand it anymore. And you know what? God did not even hear him pray. But here's the publican who smote his breast, would even lift his face. Oh, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Now, after we walk with God uprightly and good things come our way and blessings and benefits, sometimes we almost reach the point, well, you know what? I deserve this, you know. Now, my father's father died during the Depression. My father's father died, all right, and, and, and I never knew my grandfather on my father's side when he was only seven years old. And I left my grandmother raising four boys and a girl during the Depression. All right. And so, but you know what? And my grandmother never remarried, but they walked into an apostolic church in Duluth, Minnesota, and the whole family got saved. But... My father told me, I mean, they only had one pair of shoes. They put cardboard in the shoes and they would get holes in the cardboard and they would put more cardboard in there. And he and my uncle, my dad's brother, were walking through this old alley and they found an old scrap piece of carpet. I mean, and they come home and they cut out carpet and they put carpet in their shoes. And my dad told his friends at school, everywhere I walk in my house, I walk on carpet. And they said, how can you afford carpet? My dad says, I'm just telling you, everywhere I walk in my house, I walk on carpet. Well, of course, Duluth is the, is, is the world's largest inland seaport. And there was a huge shipping business. And, and my father had an old baseball glove held together with shoelaces and wire. And this this man in the shipping business, quite wealthy, took a liking to my dad. He bought my dad a brand new pair of sneakers, you know, tennis shoes. He bought my dad a brand new baseball glove. And for all these young people over here, when no one else had a nickel or a few pennies, my dad had a nickel and a few pennies. And my dad came out of an ice cream store with new shoes on his feet that this man bought. 
a new baseball glove on, hanging on his belt that this man bought, licking an ice cream cone that this man's money bought. And all of his friends are around my dad and they said, hey, Ernie, it must be so nice to have a man look after you like this. And my dad stuck out his chest, licked that cone. Yep, he said, I can get anything I want from that guy just like that and snapped his fingers. Unbeknownst to my dad, this man was walking down the sidewalk. Saw my dad stick out his chest, snap his fingers. Anything I want from that guy, that's respectful. You know, that man never gave my dad one more thing. My dad tried to apologize and make it right, and, and the man just would not listen. You know, he was not a Christian, so there was no forgiveness there. But I'll tell you, but it taught my dad a huge lesson. And I want you to know, folks, after we walk with God with everything we got, and he supplies our needs, listen, the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the house I live in, all of that is the blessings of God to you and to me. Amen. And when we reach the point, well, you know what? I mean, I mean, it bothers me when I see apostolics. That, I mean, sometimes in my travels, I'm, sometimes I sense so much pride and arrogance and, and that we're really it. You know, we're people of the name. Boy, I mean, and boy, we're just so holy, we can't even stand it anymore. Folks, I want you to know everything I am, everything I ever will be is because of the grace and the glory and the mercy and the kindness of God to me. So when the blessings of God come your way, we need to be quick to get on our knees and thank the Lord again for his provision for us. Amen. And what he does for us. Amen. But I want you to know, folks, God hates a proud look. Pride is so deceitful. You know, pride is so deceitful. I've seen people proud that they're humble. <laughs> I don't know what opportunities they're going to have to walk around with your nose higher in the air or saying, boy, I'm it. No, I must walk humbly with God today. I must walk humbly with God tomorrow, and I must walk humbly with God the day following. Now let's look at Romans chapter 13 in our Bibles. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 13. It says, let us walk honestly, honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Let us walk honestly. All right, this, is, this means we conduct ourselves in an honorable way, in a becoming manner. We actually live our life like in, as in the open light of day. It seems in 2014 to be successful, you got to be clever, sly, crafty, sometimes underhanded. All right, but... This, when we walk honestly, it means there's no falsehood. Your, your life is well formed. It is decent. There was a time in this country when a man's word was his bond. Shake hands and it's a done deal. Folks, I mean, your man's word was important. But now, no matter who it is in the business world, they both have attorneys, they draw up contracts, and they still look for loopholes to break the contract. All right, that's why if there's any Christian businessmen in here, you don't cut corners, you don't do things, you know, deceitfully. Folks, you are honest and above board, I mean, in everything that you do. Because we walk honestly as in the open light of day. I remember one time, a church I was pastoring, um, there was a man in my church that went to the Sears Roebuck store because he bought this item on sale. 
like 50% off. And, he, and, he, and so he buys this item. He goes around to the warehouse to pick it up. And they give him this huge, gigantic box. And the man said, really, sir, this is not what I bought. And the man said, the warehouse guy said, yeah, here's the number. So the man said, okay. So he takes it home, opens up the box, and there's four items in the box. The man was supposed to open up the carton, give him one item. So, the, so what did the Christian man do? Man, I bought one at 50% off, and I got four. What a bargain. I think I'm going to take out some classified ads and sell these and really make some money on this. Not when you're a Christian. When you're a Christian, you put the other three back in the trunk. You take it back to Sears and say, listen, I bought one and they gave me four, so I'm returning these three. And the warehouse guy said, but man, this was before they had computers. Man, do you know how much work I got to do to straighten all this out? Just keep them, keep them, keep them. I can't keep them because I'm a Christian. You know? I mean, have you ever gone to a restaurant after church to eat? Boy, that's kind of something we do, right? Right? So you eat and you're paying the bill and the waitress gives you back too much money and you know it. What do you do? Stick it in your pocket and walk out and say, man, what a bimbo. She can't even add. No, folks, you don't do that. You're a Christian. You say, ma'am, listen, I gave you a 20 and, and really you're giving me back too much change here. Folks, there's so much more to Christianity than running around the church with your eyes closed and never hitting the wall, Okay. There really is. 99% of your Christianity takes place outside the walls of this building. Because we're all nice when we come to church, aren't we? Hi. Yes. No, we walk honestly, as in the open light of day. Honestly. You know, Jesus said men love darkness. Do you know why? Their deeds are evil. They love dark alleys. Dark dance halls, dark taverns, they like it. Have you ever gone to a rock and picked it up and saw all these creepy crawlies under there? So they say, oh, thank you for letting us see the light. No, as soon as the light hits them, they grovel into the dirt. Sister Mackie and I stayed in an evangelist quarters in Oakdale, Louisiana. Oakdale, Louisiana. Yep. Every time we came home and turned on the lights, <laughs> those roaches went everywhere. We slept all night with the lights on in that evangelist quarters. <laughs> we did. Did the roaches say thank you? No, men love darkness. That's why when, when you walk in the light, there are some people that you work with that, are, that will just shy away from you. You don't have to jam your religion down their throat. But do you know why? Because they love darkness. But do you know what? There are people that you work with and people in, the, in your neighborhood, folks, they are sick of the darkness. That's why we need to let our light shine before men. Amen. That they may see our good works and glorify God which is in heaven. Folks, don't take your light and hide it under a bushel. No. We walk honestly. We, we live our life as in the open light of day. The open light of day. So... And do you know what? That's why it's a serious thing to come to an apostolic church because every time you are here and we open up the word of God, the word of God is a light, all right? 
All right, it's a, it's a lamp under my feet. It's a light under my pathway. The word of God tells us how to walk. And if the word of God is there and you're saying, I don't want to know this. I, what you're saying, when you say, I don't want the light, you're saying you want the darkness. And listen, individuals that love darkness because their deeds are evil, some one of these days, God's going to give them their wish. They're going to be cast into outer darkness where there's no light at all. But we as children of the light, and we, have, and we are children that love the light, we're going to go to a city where the lamb is the light and there is no darkness at all hallelujah so I don't, I don't know what opportunities you're going to have next week, tomorrow next month to do a little uh, to do a little bit things dishonest or you know or deceitful no I must walk honestly with God today, I must walk honestly with the Lord tomorrow, and I must walk honestly the day following. Now, let's look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. The book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians, chapter 5. All right, and verse 2, it says, And walk in love. Walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. Now, the word love in this verse of Scripture means a feeling of goodwill, charity, benevolence. It's not that ooey-gooey, fakey love stuff that they have in the world today. But no, it's, it's benevolence and charity. Now, you know, there's a lot of uh, crabby people in this world. There's a lot of mean people in this world. Folks, people are quick to honk their horn, quick to make a gesture with their hand. I mean, quick to open their mouth and, and curse. Folks, I mean, there's a lot of meanness in this world. I remember preaching in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. And, and, and I was reading this. There was two articles in in the Dallas newspaper. Number one, there was a construction zone and there was a flag man with the flag, all right, to hold up traffic while there was a bulldozer or something. And this man was in his car and he just kept revving the engine and then and kept inching up. And so the man just took the flag and just tapped his bumper. Man, the man reached under his front seat, took out a 357 and shot the flag man. Just like that. The same newspaper. There was a man and wife in their pickup truck coming home from the hospital with their newborn baby. And you know, and they're so excited about the baby and the dad's driving, then he realizes there's his exit. So he just cuts over three lanes of traffic and this one guy got so mad he just reached under his seat, took a pistol and just shot at the pickup truck. Missed the mom and dad and killed the little baby. Folks, listen, people today are quick to pull the trigger. Quick to curse, folks. But now there needs to be a group of people, yeah. amen, that walk in love. Folks, really, I mean, we are benevolent. We're, we, I mean, ch we are charitable. I mean, we're nice people. I think Christians should be nice people. After 40 years as an evangelist, Sister Mackie and I have a little saying. There's nothing meaner than a mean Christian. I mean, you expect the world to be mean, but when a Christian's mean... Know what it says in the book of Hebrews 10, 24? Provoke one another to love and to good works. Provoke. Now, my mom and dad have seven children, four boys and three girls. All right? So I have an older brother. I'm the second oldest. I mean, 
And they used to provoke me, okay. But it was not to love. My older brother took my brand new baseball glove without my permission, went and played a baseball game. It started raining. He left my brand new glove in center field in two days of rain and brings me back the sopping wet piece of leather. But to provoke one another, but I'm going to keep jabbing at you and keep picking at you and I'm going to make you love me. That is why if someone in the church is mad at you and they're not going to shake your hand, you say, well, I'm not going to shake your hand either. No, you run after them. Tap them on the shoulder. I love you, brother. He's as stiff as a two-by-four, but you just love him. Yeah. Provoke one another to love and to good works. Here you are. You are stopped at a red light. It's only been green one one-thousandth of a second. But because you don't go, the man behind you, behind you hits the horn. Beep, beep, beep. So what do you do? You go real slow. How's that for provoking the love? You go real slow. And you're supposed to turn right there, but you don't. You just keep going. And the man comes around you and gives you the fist. But you just follow him, boy. And you wait till he's at a red light. And as soon as that light turns green, baby, baby, be, boy, that felt good. <laughs> Provoke one another to love and to good works. Know what Jesus said? If you love people that love you, what thank have ye? The modern day translation is big deal. Because even the drunkards of the prostitutes do that. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You're nice to me, I'm nice to you. But I'll tell you, it takes a Christian I mean, to be nice to somebody that's not nice to them. Whatever happened to do unto others as you would have them do unto you? It's that basic. I remember hearing Paul Harvey years ago when, when, when the Walmart store was, was really, you know, getting in full operation. He said, to be, he said, to be an employee of Walmart store, the rule is that... that, that as an employee, whenever you see a customer come that's within 10 feet of you, you're supposed to look at them and smile. Well, I've seen some apostolic churches that could use this rule, you know, really. Folks, I've been in malls at Christmas time, and here come some people, and you know they're apostolic. And they saw you, but they act like they didn't see you, and you know that they saw you. And they duck into this store. I mean, do I have the plague or what? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. One to another. So, so if you just love people that, are, that love you, big deal. You know, but yeah, but an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, folks, if we lived like that, we'd all be blind and couldn't eat our steak. You know? I only got 26 teeth, you know. I'm not going to give them up for anybody in this building, all right? But there's a better way. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them, all right, that hate you. 
pray for them that despitefully use you. We cannot do this through yoga power, hypnotism power, Zig Ziglar power, amen, vitamin power. We can only do it through Holy Ghost power. Folks, through the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost to love our enemies, to bless them that curse us, to do good to them that hate us and pray for them that despitefully use us. This is walking in love. Because if you are just nice to people that are nice to you, big deal. Big deal. Now, I was preaching a revival in the state of Ohio. And there was a wonderful family there, Christian family. And it was trash pickup day. And this Christian man took out his green garbage bag, set it by the curb for the garbage truck to take it away. He comes into the house and his neighbor man who's not a Christian, takes his garbage bag, all right, out, all right, and uh, he sees the Christian man going into his house. So instead of dropping his garbage bag by the curb, he takes the garbage bag over to the Christian man's yard and tears it open and dumps all the garbage on his front lawn. The Christian man looks out the window and says, what is going on? So what does the Christian man do? Walk next door and ring the doorbell? (laughs) What are you doing? You do that one more time. No, do you know what? The Christian man took a rake, raked it all up, put it in the garbage bag, and the truck came and took it away. All right? Week number two, the neighbor man did it again. Takes his garbage and puts it on the Christian man's yard. I mean, you know, spaghetti cans, old Cheerio boxes, eggshells. He rakes it up and the truck takes it away. So the man tells his wife, the Christian man, why don't you bake a nice apple pie for those folks? You know? So the wife bakes an apple pie, goes next door, knocks on the door, and says, Really, folks, we don't know each other very well. You're busy, we're busy, but we're so happy to have you as our neighbors. And listen, we just wanted to give you this apple pie. Week number three, the neighbor man does it again. Takes his garbage, spills it on the Christian man's yard. He rakes it up again. Tells his wife, let's bake a cherry pie for those folks. The Christian lady goes next door, knocks on the door and says, really, folks, we're so busy and we, and, and we just want to get together with you folks, but we're so happy to have you as our neighbors and here's a cherry pie. Week number four, the neighbor man does it again, puts the garbage in the Christian man's yard and the Christian man told me, when I'm preaching revival in his church, he said he's raking it up and he said, Lord, how many times am I going to have to do this? Something like 70 times 7 in one day. You better go to Sam's Club and buy some garbage bags. I was preaching revival, all right, when the neighbor man came to the revival. Comes to the altar, all right, repents of his sins. All right, he has the Holy Ghost before he gets in the water. We baptize him in Jesus' name. He's coming out of the baptistry changing room and his hair is still wet. He says, I need to testify. And he told the story that I told you just now. And I'm just like you. Huh, you mean he's dumping garbage in my yard? I'm going to dump garbage into his yard. We'll see who has the smelliest garbage here, you know? No, and he said, folks, honestly, he said, he said, I worked in a factory. 
He said where these guys said they were Christians till they had a chance to steal some copper wire or tools from, you know, from the workroom. He said, every time a secretary walked through the plant, I knew they weren't Christians just because of the words that dropped out of their tongue. He said, every time they got angry, they would curse and swear. But he said, I live next door to this family. And he said, they were well ordered. He said, I never heard any fighting. And, and I knew they were consistent in going to church. And he said, one day he was taking out his garbage and I was taking out my garbage. And I thought, I'm going to find out if he's really a Christian or not. So I dumped my garbage in his yard and the man raked it up and the truck took it away. He said, I, he said, I did it the second week and they baked us an apple pie. I did it the third week and they gave us a cherry pie. He said, and I did it the fourth week. And I told my wife, he said, if, he said, honey, if we ever go to church, that's the guy's church that we're going to go to. But then he said this, I knew he was a Christian by his reaction. You know what? When you squeeze a lemon, something sour comes out. What comes out of you and me when we're squeezed? You know, you know that a soft answer turns away wrath. It does, because you raise your voice, I'm not going to raise mine. No, so I don't know what opportunities you're going to have to hate, be unforgiving, be resentful, want to get even. No, Lord, I must walk in love today. I must walk in love tomorrow. And I must walk in love the day following. Now, let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. So, we need to walk uprightly, we need to walk humbly, we need to walk honestly, and we need to walk in love. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 1, it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. The word beseech literally means, I will get on my knees and beg, I beseech you that you walk worthy, worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And the word worthy in this verse of scripture means in a becoming manner where your entire life is a compliment to God. Do you understand why there are principles of righteousness and godly conduct that you are instructed to from this pulpit? Folks, because we glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Folks, that's why you just can't go anywhere you want to go, act anywhere you want to walk, act anywhere you want to act, just do anything you want to do. Why? Because our life should be a compliment to God, to walk worthy of God. Now, at that same evangelist quarters down in Oakdale, Louisiana, the church gave us a charge account at a little grocery store. We were going to eat our suppers with the pastor, but he said, Brother and Sister Mankey, we have a charge account at this grocery store. He said, I don't know what you want for breakfast or lunch or snacks, but really, just go there and get whatever you need, fruit, cereal, whatever. So the first time in that grocery store, I got this food, and I'm checking out, and I'll never forget that that lady at the cashier said, you sound like a Yankee to me. So I said, yes. I said, uh, I'm from the north. She said, why are you down here? And I said, why? I was, I was going to say I'm buying some food for the roaches, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but I said, actually, I said, I said, I'm an evangelist. We're preaching at the Pentecostal church over here. 
And I said, so they just want us to get some food. She said, well, that's nice. And I said, you know what? I said, you are giving me some natural food. I'd like to invite you to church and I'll give you some spiritual food. She said, that sounds good. She said, what church is that again? And I said, well, it's the Apostolic Pentecostal Church, just two blocks down here. She goes, oh, that church. And I said, yes, that church. I said, you will never see me in that church. And I said, ma'am, that's really too bad. So when I left, I was grieved. I mean, maybe she just has a bad spirit. But I wondered who did what, how, who acted how. I mean, who, who reacted. I mean, who did what to cause such a blemish on what a Christian should be? Do you understand, everybody? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. We glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Now let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in our Bibles. Now, everything I've said tonight is summed up in one chapter. One chapter. In fact, there are four verses that say that, that we should walk worthy of the Lord. And I didn't have time to read them, but that's how important it is. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, furthermore then, we beseech you, in other words, we get on our knees and beg, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk. So you just don't leave this building and meander and roam. How you ought to walk and to please God. How many here want to please God? Amen. Know how easy that is? Just walk how we ought to walk. And that ye would abound more and more. Folks, it should not get less and less. It should be abound more and more. Verse 2, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Yeah, boy, sexual sin. Bad stuff, you know. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Then it says in verse 6 that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. This is walking honestly. All right, verse 7, for we are not called unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So it should abound more and more, and it should increase more and more. Do you know what the scripture is telling me? You should be more honest tonight than the night you receive the Holy Ghost. You should have more love tonight than the night you were born of water and spirit. You should be more humble tonight than the night that God pulled you out of the horrible pit in the miry clay. It should not get less and less. It should abound more and more. More and more. Hallelujah. Verse 10, And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Verse 11, And that you study to be quiet. And do your own business. I like that. Mind your own business, you know. All right, to work with your hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. And it's not by chance that it goes into the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. So how we walk with God is going to make a difference in our lives. I was assisting Brother R.G. Cook in Lancaster, Ohio many years ago. 
and uh, they were having some large rallying meeting, and Elder Charles Watkins, an, an African-American preacher from Cleveland, Ohio, was bringing his choir down to sing all right, at this rally. Now, at that time, they were having race riots in Cleveland. All right? They were burning buildings, and they were burning churches. So Elder Charles Watkins called his men. He said, all right, who here has a gun? He said, all right, everyone with a gun, I want you to come down to this church. All right? And he put all of his men around the church with their guns. And Elder Charles Watkins said, if anyone tries to burn this church, you shoot them in the leg. He said, you guys stand guard and I'm going to go into the church and pray. So Elder Charles Watkins comes into the church to pray and the Holy Ghost smote him. And God said, shoot him in the leg. Which one? The right one or the left one? God said, you're a preacher. You got men standing around your church with guns and you're telling them to shoot people. Elder Charles Watkins just started to weep. He was the most precious man. He hit the altar. He said, God, I'm so sorry, but Lord, we put a lot of money into this building. We don't want it to burn. God said, don't you think I could put angels around this building? I mean, who, I mean, come on now. You know, and God's talking to him, and Elder, Elder Watkins is, is praying and talking to the Lord, and, you know, and he just starts to sing. I've never been spit upon, ridiculed, wounded in my side. Life's no bed of roses, but thank God I'm alive. I've got a long way to go to be like the Lord. I don't remember trudging up a rugged hill with a cross upon my back. And he starts thinking about everything that the Lord went through. And he went outside. He says, hey guys, bring all your guns here. Unload them. We're going to lay them on this altar. And we're just going to believe God for protection. But do you understand everybody? I have a long way to go to be like the Lord. I've had the Holy Ghost over 50 years. But even sometimes the thoughts in my mind I don't even like. The, God, the Bible says let every thought be brought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Sometimes I'm. I mean. I mean. Sometimes my attitude stinks. Sometimes I mean, folks. I, I mean, there have been times before I go to bed at night. I just got to say, God, really, I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me. I need you to strengthen me because I have a long way to go to be like the Lord. So, Lord, I wanted to abound more and more and increase more and more. Amen. Amen. Then, then ever. Because if you're really a Christian, you're going to walk and, to, and conduct yourself, amen, the way Jesus walked. I must walk worthy today, I must walk worthy tomorrow, and I must walk worthy today following. Let's all stand, shall we? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and we'll continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.